let's go. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we could jam on whatever, but uh, we could keep talking about that. Like what we, you know, what we received were, uh, and, and this is like an interesting conversation you and I can have actually is, um, you know, we did this, we did the program, we did Sell with Soul with Jesse and got um, the, what I found was really valuable with the group and with our like conversations with Jesse were that was all like conceptual and mm -hmm. very much, I don't know if you, you know, you can speak on this too. Um, very personal yeah. to where, you know, just about every time we got on a call, I felt like I was being spoken directly to, <laughs> even though we were in a group. Um, and, you know, that helps you sort of navigate um, out of the weeds and out of the swamp <laughs> so you can get to, you know, get to the mountains and see, see more clearly. Um, and then on the other hand, there was the really practical tools like you described before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and without like, like both are necessary. I, I actually, this is very similar to how I run my coaching programs. We have a group model and in the group model, it's, we, we talk about key principles, like mm -hmm. fundamental practices in um, building a business and being in business is mm -hmm. being a person who is now in business for yourself. Cause it's usually with um, early stage entrepreneurs and coaches. Uh, and then uh, we have a one-on-one -on -one, um part which is very personalized and they mm -hmm. get very specific tools that are tan like tactical it's like tactical well, them, stuff exactly where they're at yeah, yeah right because yeah. i find that everyone is at a different you know stage like everyone yeah. is at a different um path like spot in their journey and they all have different you know limiting beliefs really so like what are the what are the problems that you need solved like mm -hmm. you specifically and it's different for everybody and they, they can even be at like a slightly different segment of that stage, mm -hmm. which requires just a slightly different perspective, slightly different insight, yeah. or a slightly different emphasis on a particular tool at yeah. that stage, which is always yeah. unique and interesting, which I think is a really key sign of a, a well-seasoned practitioner is our ability to mm. know exactly where that person, what segment of that stage the individual who sat in front of you is at. Yeah. And I, I know, I know Callum, you, um, you work with coaches to develop their coaching practice and, you know, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that, but you know, you have, you personally have years, 10, 10 years or so of hands-on yeah, 12, 12 years coaching now. experience, 12, years, 12 years. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a long time to be doing this thing. And you go through these stages and to, at, at that point, you know, when you're doing this 10 plus years, that's where you sort of unlock these abilities to meet people exactly where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, is it wise and true to say that the coach you are today is not the coach you were, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Oh, completely different brother. Completely different. <laughs> And, 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 you know, the funny thing is that there's been stages in my journey where I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I think, I think I've got it now. I think I'm, mm. I've read the books, I've, I've done the courses. I think I've completed yeah. this, you know, cool. Almost <laughs> to the point where my old boredom would come in like, okay, there's no more to learn strangely. And life promptly gives you a loving backhand. And mm. then you realize, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize what you don't know sort of thing. And you get into that stage and then you, you're humbled and you mm. just accept that this is an infinite journey and the the reality of that infinite journey no longer feels overwhelming nor something you have to complete but just exciting like wow i literally can never not stop progressing so yeah completely different now yeah. as to where i was even a year ago mate like you're probably mm. the same probably the same i'd like to I'd, I'd feel like i would have failed in some way if i wasn't a ton better at what I do now than I was 12 months ago. Mm. You used, you used the word accept. There was a moment like you, you, you accepted that you didn't know everything. There was more, 
Like there's things you don't know that you don't know, right? Sure. Can, is is there a is there a defining moment for you that you can remember being humbled and and coming to this realization of like acceptance, which by which is like I have these eight um evolutions of leadership and like we all experience mm. them. And the first one is acceptance. I, <laughs> yeah. No, the first one is self-awareness, actually. The so, second one is acceptance. And these usually they come in that comes in a pair. <laughs> I, I agree, man. Yeah, you need yeah. the awareness of the opportunity for acceptance in order to mm-hmm. get to acceptance, right? So, so yeah, what awareness. was that for you? Do, do you have a specific moment? For, I would uh, say there's, there's probably been a, a few different moments, but one that's actually come into mind. So I entered into the, let's say, self-development coaching space. Well, I actually entered into it as a personal trainer, but my role as a, let's say, the life coach, mindset coach, whatever you want to call it, everyone has different labels. You, we all get the point. Uh, was when I started within neurolinguistic programming and um, hypnotherapy. And within neurolinguistic programming, for anyone who's who's done it or been in that space, there's usually a particular like path for progression. You have the practitioner level, you have the uh, what they will call the coach level, uh, master practitioner and master coach, and then you can go on to become a trainer who can then certify people. You know, you come to a little stage of proficiency there. And then you, you can become a master trainer as well. Now, at that point, it really becomes a how much money do you have stage to become <laughs> a master trainer. That's what I've noted. It's not like you have to be a trainer for a number of years. It's have you got 20 grand and a good, uh, you know, a good relationship with one of the only other master trainers. I didn't want to do that. But what I did do was take myself down the entire route to become a trainer of NLP. And in fact, at one point in time, you know, I was a trainer of NLP when I was 22 years old because i got into this space when i was really really young and at that point in time i was probably one of the youngest trainers particularly in europe and perhaps in the world and definitely one of the only trainers of neurolinguistic programming who also had a successful personal training business which is what kind of led me to that usp of Mm. teaching personal trainers about mindset behavioral change because well i knew a lot about it at that point um and to answer the question specifically i think once I'd received my trainer's training uh, accreditation, which I worked incredibly hard for, mm. my my only exposure to this industry was literally through NLP, which does, you know, that is a collective body of work. There's lots, it draws from lots of different bodies of work. It's not, NLP isn't one method, it's lots of different methods in one space. That's the way I see it. Mm. Once I'd completed that, I think I'd probably just got blindsided that oh no this is just like a small splash in the pond of all that there is within the different realms of self-development spiritual Mm. development western approaches eastern approaches right so i got to a stage where you know for good reason i was like okay yeah yeah, i've got it yeah Mm. amazing and then then you find something else and then i found like yoga then i found ayurveda then i found these things that have been around for over ten thousand years Mm. you go oh wait a minute Okay, no, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just dying. I am literally just dying now. So there's the, what I'm hearing is a realization that there were other tools that were also equally potent and powerful and valuable that you could dive into. It reminds me of, um, like I was in the CrossFit space for my mm. career. Like got into that. Um, I started doing that like for fun, and then did it more so as a, you know, as an amateur professional, right. Trying to step into the game of becoming a coach and, and there's levels to CrossFit's, uh, you know, training like level one, two, three, four. And I saw this like trajectory for myself. Like I can achieve all of these levels. Right. Yeah. And eventually I'd be like, I got the, the, the CrossFit level three. Ooh one of like nine people in New York city that had this. And I felt on top of the world because the like untouchable dude, the <laughs> test for this that, you know, they overhype the test and, yeah. uh, and, and it's an accumulation of so much knowledge, um, like studying plus like practical application. Mm-hmm. And I had all of that and I went and took the test and, and you're allowed four hours to take this test. And I, I finished it in like an hour and I was like, wait, I, I got to look over the answers again. Cause I, it's supposed to be harder than this. <laughs> right. 
so I ended up sitting up, you know, sitting in the testing, like an official testing center, taking this test, like for an additional hour, just like checking my work. And I'm like, I, don't, I did everything. These are all correct. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually came quite easy, but that's because I had been doing it for so long. Like, sure. Just you had so much practical application. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then like you get immediate results. Like you, you, they print you this piece of paper and I didn't look at the paper. I was like nervous. Uh, so like later on in the day, I, I unfolded it and it said pass. And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> and I felt totally on top of the world because I now had this validation, this certification, right? And you're going to go and challenge Rich Froning one-to-one at that point. Is that what you're going to do? Rich Froning, man, is, he, <laughs> you know, great guy, great dude, great athlete. You know, sure. he, can he be a coach? Can he be a good coach? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, that's another discussion. It's another discussion. But what I realized is like, you know, the, I had all this knowledge in this, um, I had the certification and then I was running a gym, you know, I was a GM of a gym at the time and then eventually became the owner. And I didn't have the, the ability to actually convey that knowledge well. Like I, I could teach a class, I could run a great class, I could teach people how to do a snatch and things like that. And like that mm-hmm. stuff was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. But there was way more that I needed to learn, like communication skills. They don't teach you that in in your certifications, uh, you know, interpersonal relationship skills, business, like these things. Not, are even, not even important, left not even important. It's not important, <laughs> right? <laughs> these things are left out, and that and yet you feel that you can. And and I love uh, Jesse says this. You don't get compensated for your competence, no, right? You get compensated for your communication. And uh, like I, at that point, I was like, "There's got to be something else I can learn." And then I, it it opened my mind to the fact that there are like countless other tracks that you can, you know, trajectories you can go on and learn so many different things, man. And we get so hooked on the one thing that we're in, right? Like with you and NLP. You know, Do you think in, in some way we need that? Because mm. if if we didn't have those blinkers on for a period of time, we'd likely get distracted and dilute our focus. In some way, we almost need a healthy delusion that that's the only thing that we need to pursue the only thing we need to obtain in order to complete and fulfill whatever it is we feel is missing in our knowledge, wisdom, and experience. There's, there's some Mm. upside to that, isn't there in some way, shape or form? Yeah. That's a great, um, great question. And for me, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it too. For me, it's a matter of like giving yourself a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. That that's the way it comes across for me as well, man. Like now, it, it, it more from a more mature perspective. I think previously, if I'm really really honest, my in my initial stages, it was perhaps a find everything I need to know so no one can ever find out that I don't know something. Right. So then I don't have to have that embarrassment of not knowing something or disappointing someone in not being able to answer the question, offer them the advice. Now we couple that with another previous tendency of feeling self-worth and validation through my capacity to help others. Perhaps because there was a lack in one stage of my life many years ago in this ability to help myself, right? So I think from a a less mature perspective, that was the initial uh, spark to have those blinkers on. Whereas I would absolutely agree now, and perhaps for the last six, seven years, certainly been a lot more of a purpose-driven piece of like, okay, I'm going to put these blinkers on because I know that's the way I best focus and best Mm. digest information, assimilate information, integrate it, embody it, and then impart that wisdom to others Mm. so it can really land. But yeah, initially, man, it definitely, there would have been elements of purpose for sure. Of course, you know, that can't not be the case, but I think there was also some programming of wanting to, Mm please and have the answers and not be found out yeah you're satisfying um this like i mean it's a need that you have um and 
you, another way to look at it is you're treating a wound that you have, whatever that wound oh, for sure. might be. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. I think, I'm not sure if that ever fully goes away. And I don't think that's a problem either. It just depends right. how, how open that wound is, how, um, how susceptible it is to getting caught on the clothing of life and the fabric of life, you know, and reopening, uh, ultimately, you know, hopefully those wounds become stars that are marks of our past experience mm -hmm. that show a, a, a sort of completion of that stage of life, but a remembrance that we went through it. Yeah. That's, that's where the, that's where the acceptance comes in. Like I agree. Acceptance man. piece. And then you, what you just described as well is like where you're at now, you described another one of my, um, these evolutions. I have the fourth one, which is detachment and being, being able to detach and focus as well, focus in on, on something with that awareness, like, Hey, I'm doing this for a purpose, for a reason. It's, it's satis it's serving me. Um, and you're also unattached, right? Unattached to the, the outcome, right? Unattached to the, um, like validation as well. Like the need for some validation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Perhaps at, I think at that stage, hopefully um any healthy personal development program or you know commitment allows us to internalize our valid validation more so than recognize our patterns and propensities to externalize it which of mm. course you know at the earlier stage of life that serves us right we need to externalize yeah. our validation for our parents and our yeah our caregivers but at some point we have to consciously start to make the transition otherwise you'll have people who'll live their entire life whose drive is completely leveraged by external validation as yeah. opposed to a healthy internal compass and ability to direct ourselves, make decisions for ourselves. I'm, I'm reading this book right now um, called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon hmm. Hill. Okay, nice. Right, same author from uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, the sure. book was, it's interesting. The book was, apparently manuscripted and written in 1938 and then um, kept hidden, they say, um, which could be a marketing thing. It also could be true because of what's inside of it. Everything that's written is, is you know, it goes against a lot of um, the okay. narrative in, the, in that time. And, and so like his family was afraid of what would happen if they published it. And it was published recently. Mm -hmm. um, but it describes um, Napoleon Hill's imagine imaginative conversation with what he calls the devil. Okay. Where he got to interview him and ask questions to understand his ways. And what it really is, is, you know, how can we avoid mis making mistakes and achieve success? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what it is. And the, this, this concept is how like the devil's main purpose is to um, utilize fear and utilize these other negative thoughts to distract people and lead them astray so that they don't accomplish their things so that they're mm -hmm. not successful so that they're not in control. And it's the one, the one thing that that you that you can have in the, according to the book according to him is like if you are totally aware and in control of your own thoughts then the the devil can have no power over you and i find this so interesting and and he goes into like chapters and chapters of how this is implanted in in the world and how it's in, you know how most systems are actually diluting your ability to think for yourself mm -hmm. starting mm -hmm. with childhood sure right when you're and i watch my son you know my son is a year and a half and i'm watching him grow up and learn and right now he only has the ability to think for himself 
And somewhere along the way, that's conditioned out of you. Mm. I have this vision of the world where we can teach our children only to do that. You know, I went to school, right? I went to a public school in New York City, which is basically uh, conditioning to be a yeah. good to be a good citizen, a live good the factory American, worker, a good factory worker, live the American dream. Mm. Where they, you know, you 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 get real good at. I dude, I used to pride myself at memorizing facts. I could memorize anything. I wasn't so good at math, but I could memorize like you know historical facts and all this other nonsense which is a great way of te- of learning what to think not how how to think yeah right yeah. and then you get into these other <laughs> you get into this world that you and I are in right now and you learn how to think and it's like oh man all those years <laughs> <laughs> such a long career in you know being taught what to think and and mm-hmm. doing a decent job at that and then you realize Ah, okay. Yeah. Like we've got to unwind and unravel all of that. And and, and actually the next thought is we get to unwind and unravel. Right. And we're excited about doing so because you and I, and likely those who are listening, have experienced a taste of liberation that comes through unraveling that way of thinking and being right. able to, as you have described eloquently through your ventures into Napoleon Hill's lost book which i think is both a truth and great marketing because it makes me want to brilliant read it and buy it straight away um and hear what devil's saying yeah, yeah i think it's definitely um an exciting piece isn't it to unravel all those bits and to to go on this journey decondition which is ultimately what yoga has, has been speaking about for thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. you've used the word deconditioning a few times Mm. Uh, and you said you got into NLP early, like young. Mm -hmm. What was the, how how did you discover that and and why did you discover it? Yeah. Great question, man. So there was two things that happened were happening simultaneously to lead me to the decision to get into NLP. And I'll give the, like the kind of long story short bit. So I was, my career was in personal training. I'd moved to a different part of the UK, uh, you know, build an entirely new friendship group, super driven. And for me, there's never a plan B, it's plan A, that's it. And plan A was, this has to work out because I have X amount of money and I have a very short space of time. So, hey, you'll see me get to the gym at 7 a.m. and you won't see me leave until I've completed 20 conversations with people because I got a tick in time to get mm. to this certain point financially to be able to support myself. Otherwise, the opportunities in where I came from, and it might be similar for you, brother, aren't that advertising. You know, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to uni. Not because yeah. I couldn't, because it never vibed with me. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it wouldn't have come across at that. I wouldn't have described it in that way at the time. But now when I look back on it, I, it was correct. That wasn't right for me. But I was a PT and I started, uh, I got into personal training when I was 17. Again, it was young. Uh, and I did I, I create a successful co- coaching personal training business within three months, which is awesome. However, as someone who genuinely wanted to create epic results with people, and you know what I'm talking about, it's not just because someone's a PT or even a, I would go as far as to say a coach of sorts doesn't mean their their largest percentage of why they're doing it is to really create a change for those people they're working with there is a business drive to it not that they say that's a bad thing i've got business drive but some people get into pt because they're like okay well that's easy to make 40 grand a year or 70 grand a year or whatever it's called not yeah i love teaching people now i I was the latter i love teaching people Mm. and what was happening for me bro and you probably saw this only 20 percent of my client base were really showing up consistently Mm -hmm. were really adhering to the plan we're actually showing up outside of our sessions. We're actually right. shifting their nutritional plans. And you know what? 20% is generous. But what I noticed is that wasn't just for me. Because I was like, okay, is this just me? No, no it's like there's 20, there are 12 other personal trainers in that gym. It was the same story for them. Mm-hmm. And you know this is a PT. Like when you have those clients that walk in the gym that you know have done everything. Like if we were dogs and we had tails, we would be wagging them when they get into the room. Because you're like, amazing. You know this person's done everything they need to do. 
super satisfying, but most don't. That it got me questioning, and this is you know this is a long time ago now. This is over twelve years ago. Mindset wasn't a big thing. Behavioral change wasn't a common conversation. But I'm a curious guy, as you're, Matt, and I was asking questions like, "What is the missing link? What's missing here?" Yeah. Of course, it was it was the bridging the gap between the mind and the body. Just say it succinctly, and helping them understand that it's never a lack of nutrition or physiological information that's stopping them. Go, go on YouTube; it's all there. It's their connection to the drivers the programs within them that create their values and their beliefs that are contradictory to what they're saying they desire that needs to be reprogrammed it has to be in order for them to really adhere to the plan that can sometimes happen uh, it can sometimes happen organically through life events but often if you want the most efficient journey it's really a good it's a really good idea to work with someone who knows how to you know be the mechanic of your inner world and help you rewire those pieces so I was recognizing there was a there was a block there, there was an opening, but also at the same time, I'd, I'd been going through sporadic spells of depression um, for 10 years prior to that. And it was something that I medicated with not antidepressants, but instead alcohol and drugs. Uh, and, and I did so from a young age, to be honest. You know, I lost my father when I was 11 years old and both grandfathers were in a short space of time. And that just put me on a trage- trajectory from an early age to figure out this emotional space. And mm-hmm. I didn't do a great job of it in those initial years. I just found drugs and found alcohol. And you, so you attached I was just, to the first thing that was first thing, man. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually to be fair to me, martial arts was also involved in that as mm-hmm. that was the saving grace, which is why I turned that you know, physical education into a profession. Cause the one thing that I was good at and was the one area I was safe in. Um, but yeah, like I, I was a ticking time bomb, bro. And I was a walking contradiction. I was a guy who's talking about health to other people and looked healthy, got the abs, all that kind of stuff. But we know that that's not full spectrum health. Uh, yeah. And behind the scenes, I was still, I was just drinking. I wasn't ever, I wasn't ever an alcoholic, like chemically addicted or anything. I was just emotionally addicted. Like I needed that to like suppress my anger and sadness mm. and all that kind of shit. So I basically found myself frustrated in my career because I couldn't help people in the way I wanted to and just slowly declining in my own mental, emotional well-being. I walked into the staff room one day in the, in the gym and you know, there's moments where like something just catches your eye mm. and something did catch my eye. And it was on the, like the stand where all the bags are for the personal trainers. It was a book. And I, I'm, I'm not sure it was like a, a revelatory book. It, did, it probably wasn't anywhere near as awesome as the, you know, the dance and conversation with the devil, <laughs> but something about it caught my eye. And I, I went over to the book, flicked the page, didn't even, you know, go from page one. I just kind of opened it up. And the first line was, you are in charge of your mind and therefore your behavior. No, you are in charge of your, your behavior and therefore your results. Now look, mm. you've been in this space, not that profound absolutely true absolute facts but for me i'd never heard anything like that i never had anyone tell me that oh it's on me and so mm. when i read that line it was like that one of those moments where everything finally clicks into place where you get the final code of the lock and the lock on un- un- opens right and opens itself it just all made sense i was like oh shit i need to there's an opportunity here and i'm not broken and i just absolutely devoured that book and then went on Google and literally found the first thing on it because the book was on NLP, by the way. Oh, gotcha. Found the first NLP training um, called The Lady. The rest is history, mate. I was, I was like, I took all my savings, anything I had invested in that space. And mm-hmm. yeah, went on a few year journey of just finding out that okay, I'm, I'm not broken and there's loads of things we can work with here. And this is true for all of us. And Hey, we'd be here for multiple podcasts and maybe we'll do, <laughs> do multiple episodes, but like there was a lot that yeah. that one line basically just absolutely shifted how I was seeing the world and opened up opportunity and inspired a very important word, which I'm sure you resonate with hope because I had not got hope. I was like, okay, if this is what life's about. I don't want in anymore. Mm. That's where it was going. Uh, but that line made me realize, okay, there's a chance here that I don't have to just put up with this pain that I've been experiencing for a very long time. Hmm. Can you repeat that line again? Which one, man? The the line that you read in the book. I'm curious. Yeah, it was it was something along the lines of you are in charge of your mind and therefore your results. Or it could have been you are in charge of your behavior and therefore behavior. your results. It was one of the two. Um, yeah. and I can see course, how that's a profound 
like statement when you don't already, when you're not already in that world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Causing you to ask a lot of questions. I imagine like, what does this, what does this mean? Like I, okay. I, I, I can <laughs> read the words. If I'm in charge of my mind, if I'm in charge of my behavior and my behavior affects my results, right. We think cause and effect, right. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing. And then you, that causes you to ask, okay, how, how, right. How does yeah. this apply? <laughs> how do I do that? Cause yeah, where's the there, user man. manual? Where's the user manual? Totally. Yeah. Give where's it to me now. <laughs> I've been there, man. I've been in depression. I've been uh -huh. in those states of angst uh, and anxiety and, 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 and feeling overwhelmed by that and, and feeling that the opposite of that statement is true, that, I am not in charge of my oh, behavior. Yeah. Like I am a victim, you know, and yeah. I, it's yeah. funny. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this book a lot because I'm currently reading it, but um, I released, I just released what I call a microdose episode. It was like an eight minute little episode yesterday. Nice. And I read this poem uh, from, from the book. The poem is actually written for, you know, it wasn't written by Napoleon Hill. It was written by uh, this other guy, Ernest Henley, I believe. Um, I won't get into the whole poem, but the last lines were, I am the master of my fate. Mm -hmm. I am the captain, captain oh, of shit. my soul. Okay. Amazing. Even better. <sighs> <laughs> And it Potent describes, line. dude, it describes like the, the rest, it was a short poem, but it describes being, um, for all, you have every reason to be a victim. You have every reason to, to be broken, beaten down, hurt and scolded and to act as if that is how life is. And, you know, woe is me, pity yourself kind of feeling. And yet, you know, that does not define you. Mm -hmm. that is simply like a part of your current experience. And I sent that to a friend of mine, Sean, I, I sent the podcast because, um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's in his late thirties. He's got two kids and he, um, told me recently that his cancer has spread and, um, you know, meeting this guy, I trained jujitsu with this guy. Like I talked to him all the time and like, as I gotten as I've gotten to know him, I've recognized like he, he says he has every reason to be a victim, yeah. every reason to like sit and sulk and complain and and um, allow that darkness to cloud everything and and it, you know destroy him, and yet he's training mm -hmm. and he's mm -hmm. raising his kids. And he's like joyfully telling me, yeah, I'm on a lot of drugs right now. <laughs> Overall, my health is great though. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're, <laughs> this is like most people. And we had this discussion. I was like, dude, most people would take their external circumstances, their, their, you know, a, a parent dying or being mm -hmm. diagnosed with, with something or having this, these like quote unquote diseases of the mind, like, like depression yeah which is not a disease. It's a, it's simply a state of consciousness. It's like a state of thought. It's a, it's a, sim, it's a symptom. <laughs> it's a symptom. Yeah. Oh man. I, I really, I'm going to share this with my sister who's a mental health counselor and she's going to argue with me. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, it is. I've been there. I yeah. did the, I did the, the diagnosis thing. I did the medication thing for it as well and had adverse effects. And then I cured myself. Amazing man. Congratulations. I got off, got off of that awesome. shit and cured myself because thank you. It'd be because I took ownership of my situation. And I was like, no, something is off here. And what I recognized is that I was in the wrong environment with the wrong people most of my life. And when mm -hmm. I'm in the right environment with the right people, you know, living in my human design, really, that's when I get to <laughs> be like fully like be in my power right or be like fully express who i am in, so in any self dude any moment where you are not getting to the, the opportunity to express your true purpose and your true power you're gonna feel these things and you should and like you we have should. an inner mechanism 
it's a signal (laughs) it's a signal it's a symptom because it wants us to be expressed right and i'm just flicking through my kindle library because i really want to make sure i get this book title correct this is this is perfect for anyone who because i think all, all of us will experience a version of depression in life i don't think it's possible to move through life without experiencing mm. that whether you'd label it that or not I, right but someone we will experience it in some way shape or form and dude you know you mentioned something really key there and i think it's it's i think the book is i know it's by johan hari which is spelled okay. with a j uh, i think it's called lost connections but hey we'll put it into the uh, the yeah you'll think of it later for sure but it's a brilliant book and it really just animates the multi multi-faceted nature of depression uh, in the, in that a large part of the depression piece is feeling disconnected. Of course, you know, if you don't have community, if you don't have a support system, if you don't have a sense of purpose, sense of meaning, you kind of should feel depressed. Like that makes sense, you know? And I always used to use the following analogy. If the oil light comes on in my car, I don't then go, oh, stupid car, it's broken. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. It's telling me that, it's a light telling me that this can get worse. You need to give it something that it hasn't got enough of. And I yeah. often, I see the, I see depression as that. I see it as a, as a light, as a signal to tell me that there's something I'm not getting. There's a need that I'm not fulfilling. There's something yeah. I need to shift, change or acknowledge or in a combination of all of the above. Now, of course, the addiction that's offered to us isn't is, is much better now than it was 10 years ago, <clears throat> but it's still not yeah. there and it's not obvious and it still is the 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 most common approach when anyone goes to a traditional practice and t- tells the, the you know, GP that they're depressed. And this is not a hit at GPs. They have a lot to do, but it is a hit at the system. They just say, hey, we'll take these then. Just take these. And th- they work for some people, but not as a... I- I've never heard of anyone yeah. saying these work for me as a, as a fix forever. Right. There's downsides to it, right? And I love that you said, you, you know, just that, you, you weren't around the right people. You weren't being, you couldn't be you. Well, great. We you shouldn't feel good then if you're not being you. How cool mm-hmm. is it? And this is the reframe I got for myself from being in depression and whatnot. How cool is it that there's a part of me, there's an essence within me that cares about my truth so much. It will cause me such distraction that comes through in this pain that we call depression in order for me to get, have the opportunity to acknowledge it and correct. That's fucking awesome yeah. that we have that inner mechanism. Do that. Not awesome that when lied to and condition go back to the conditioning piece mm-hmm. and condition to think that this is the way it is we're broken we're not enough all of yeah. that kind of stuff but awesome if you can have that momentary shift and realize that we all have the opportunity to see this as a as a, a, a way to grow into our truth more what do you think on that brother dude it's interesting um you how this ties into conditioning and imagine this right absolutely it's change is hard. If everyone had the realization that I did and that you did, they'd be bouncing around doing different things, doing what they want, thinking for themselves. That doesn't work for systems to operate well. And so instead of, you know, oh, you're, you're depressed because you're, you're, you have like, shift work disorder because you're working overnight and you haven't seen your family and you haven't seen the sunrise, you know, like instead of like allowing this person space, which is what depression like requires deep rest, right? Depression is like really literally meaning you're slowed down and you, you require rest and uh, reflection. Mm -hmm. And, um, instead of giving someone that space, they need them to keep doing their jobs. Right. And I'm, I'm saying they meaning like the, 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 the economy for sure. Like, mm-hmm. and it's true. Like people in order for us to have the lifestyle that we currently have at the speed, we currently have it. Like people are working themselves into depression and mm-hmm. it's just way easier to medicate them so that they can keep doing what they normally do then go out and make changes. It's way easier to take medication to satisfy the need instead of changing your life situation, instead of separating from, you know, from a relationship that you're, you don't belong in anymore, instead of like moving on or instead of going and chasing your dreams, because it causes so much disruption 
um, there's also it's very lucrative, you know. So oh well, yeah, that's a big <laughs> part of it, man. That's um, a big, big part of it. But yeah, like you're describing, it's it's easier for the momentary satisfaction versus the yeah. long term fulfillment, right? It's easier to just ignore and 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 deny the idea that there's a possibility that there's a completely different life waiting for us. But of yeah. course, to get there, we have to go through the dark woods. We have to climb those mountains. We have to mm-hmm. get over those obstacles that you can't do so without some level of discomfort and inconvenience. Yeah. However, I truly believe that every one of us is equipped with the potential to work through those challenges, totally. which actually one of the other things that if we go through the conditioning theme that we've obviously created today, <laughs> we've been conditioned out of creating community support systems because you're not yeah. meant to do this alone you're not meant to be the one solo hero of the journey we're actually meant to have team we're meant to have a community we're meant to have people who can help us understand how to navigate the mountain who mm-hmm. can perhaps give us advice on those dark woods because they've been through them themselves right even if they're not walking hand in hand with us even just their yeah. advice of like when you get to that tree don't fucking touch that tree. <laughs> that, that tree is a dark space, right? You get the point. This is the this is like the power of you know what we can call the mastermind. And mm. and anytime there's two people, even just two people who are fixated on a on a certain goal or a certain outcome or a certain like way of being, when you are like when you're in harmony together, working toward that or being toward that. It's damn near impossible to avoid success and, and, and to fail. It's impossible to fail. And, and yeah, you're going to, you may make mistakes, but just imagine this instead of having your own, like, like your, your own way of making decisions, like how you are, how you make all decisions is like um, going through this internal loop Imagine if you always had another human being that you can reflect ideas back and forth with. Even if you don't have all the answers. And you know this, you know, being an NLP practitioner, and I, you know, studied this as well in like understanding language, Mm. simply speaking and hearing things reflected back to you gives you more clarity absolutely it can't not it's the same as taking a pen and writing something down it shifts our perceptual position mm-hmm. it goes from these ideas and thoughts that are similar to a shaking snow globe are kind of floating around with other lesser important ideas thoughts distractions passing mm-hmm. things so it's chaotic and when we can share it out loud as you said matt or or write it down Mm-hmm. We get to see it for what it is without the cloud of emotion and other things being distracted by it and diluting it. And then yeah. we can make a more informed decision on, oh, that was completely irrational. That doesn't yeah. absolutely doesn't make sense. Or, oh, that feels different. Now I can just see that. And I can see how, how I could implement this or why I think thought this or what I can do with this thought, so to speak. Mm. How can we right now, Callum, make this? How can we bring this to the practical side for those listening and for those who may feel stuck or misaligned or in even in a state of depression or or maybe they're not there, but they know what that is. They know what that feels mm-hmm. like, right? Um, and they want to help others, right? We, you know, most of my audience, they're, they're doing the thing. They're leaders, yeah. they're coaches, they're, they're, they're in charge and they're making this happen and they're supporting other people. Um, and for some, this might be, um, re, you know, redundant. It also might bring some new ideas. So what are some um, practical tools that you would share? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, a really great one for us all is to be brave enough to first and foremost create a landscape of what we don't want right so literally ask ourselves in a year's time or insert timeline what don't i want to have happened what don't i want to have continued what don't i want to be experiencing etc etc and really just map out that what we don't want piece because it's 
so much easier to map that out because we're much more inclined to think in that way anyway, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part, you could make a, a, a summary on that piece or a, you could uh, make a conclusion on that. Map that out. And then at the same time, in the second breath, okay, but what's the opposite of all that? Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to trick the gate the gatekeeper of your current personality or your current identity. The one that at all costs does not want us to change. That's its role. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It does a great job of it. Uh, we some call it ego. Cool. You know, again, different topic another day. But it it's a great way to take that one off the 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 gatekeeper position, not feel a threat for that inquisition. Because it's like, oh, well, they're just talking about what we don't want. Well, that's fine. Yeah, talk about it. And then it settles down. And then you then with the second breath, what's the opposite of that? And it tricks that part of you. And it allows that part of you to actually really think about what you do want without having these triggers of allowing yourself to say that out loud. Because just a quick rewind on this, Matt, mm-hmm. many people will struggle to say what they do want because when they clarify what they do want, then they then clarify what they stand to lose. Yeah. Or they clarify what they stand to not gain or, or what they what they could fail at and so right. that then we limit it and we play a small and that's why many of us all of us you know, some in some way shape or form to some degree do that but doing what we just said map out what you don't want and then what's the opposite mm-hmm. almost in a loving way i'd say it and share it with love tricks us into yeah. overcoming that standard that we often or that bar that we set that we don't allow ourselves to go past because of the fear yeah. of the loss or disappointment that could be connected to it that makes sense Totally. And what comes to mind is when we do any sort of goal setting, oftentimes um, it, for for some people, it's challenging to see far mm-hmm. into the future and see what's really possible because they're in, because of where they're at now. Like we started this conversation with like what those like dynamics of our, that, you know, of cell with soul that we were in, right. That program mm-hmm. we were in together, the, 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 primary dynamic in the group setting was, you know, helping us stay above the, the, the water and stay above the weeds so that you can now see everything that's possible. And then you got to take the steps, right? Um, So it comes, what comes to mind is that the fact that when, and anytime I've done goal setting with people, they're like, yeah, I can see how this happens, how this works. And then there's a, but, (laughs) right. I want this, but right? So the limiting belief comes in and, and it's, I love how you flipped that. Like, okay, describe the, describe what you really don't want to happen. What, what's like the worst possible scenario, worst case scenario. So then it's much easier to see a path like forward. Um, actually yesterday I had a coaching call and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use this from now on. My client described this really well. I asked him, you know, to write down both two, two columns, draw two columns. And on one side, you know, you know, write up, write down all the things that you, that you do, or you like to do that you want to do that give you energy and light your fire. And then on the other column, write The things that suck energy away from you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he named, he named this and I'm going to use it. He was like, all right, this is the good vibes list. And this is the bad, the bad vibes list. I'm like, perfect. We're going to keep that. <laughs> Right. So write out your vibes, uh, your vibes list. And it was so easy to identify a lot of the things that, that give you energy, like the good vibes stuff. Mm-hmm. And even things like, like he is, he's in a great career and he started to write out a lot of the things that, you know, he does for his work that he absolutely loves that he forgot about because of the bad vibes in the, in the same place, in the same place of work. Right. When you can make the, the uh, distinction here, the distinction between the two um, is actually really easy to just focus all of your attention on the good shit. What expands me, what energizes me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And the other stuff, the, the bad vibes, you know, some people, maybe in a situation where you, you can't eliminate this stuff. Totally understand that. Totally get it. And, uh, if that's true for you, then, um, I, I would invite you to set boundaries really Mm -hmm. simply. Like how can you minimize the, uh, the effect, 
Yeah, that. dilute the effect. Right. Yeah, dilute it. Or, you know, sprinkle in some of the good stuff so that you can start to see this thing in a new light. Also, bro, you know, I think the key piece of what you just said there as well, seeing it in a new light, that mm-hmm. alone, if you're not in a position to be able to immediately change it, because no one's in a position where they're 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 absolutely stuck with it, but it just might not be something they can, you know, snap their fingers and it goes. But what they can do is if that's the, that's the case, start to question, how can I look at this in a different way in this preliminary right. stage? And even just knowing that they're in the pursuit of changing it will likely dissipate some of the discomfort that's been attached to whatever that is, whoever that is, whatever the situation is, right? Because mm-hmm. I think of this from like a distracted mind, you know, if there's something that's distracting me, causing me to take away my focus, I don't necessarily have to take action on that. What I'd have to do though is acknowledge that that's there. Mm. And like a child trying to get his parents' attention, all it needs, it just wants to be acknowledged. It just wants to be recognized. And if we can let it know that, okay, we can't do it right now, but later we can do this. It tends to settle that person down, settle the child down, settle that internal part down. And I think even for someone who right now can't immediately change something, just the decision the power of the decision of saying, I can't get rid of this completely now, but I'm now on the path and pursuit of changing this. That will feel awesome because it puts them back in power. Um, allows you to take a deep breath absolutely, and recognize like, I got this. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I love it. Um, dude, I imagine that uh, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of these. <laughs> Part two has to come up. Part part two, two part seven, who knows? And yeah, yeah, if anyone wants to check out you on on the gram or anywhere, where where could they find more information about you, Callum? Very simple, man. At Coach Callum Hardingham on Instagram or at Inner Leadership Academy on Instagram as well, man. Brad, we'll tag that in the the notes. And uh, amazing, brother. Enjoy the rest of it. PM. It's PM for you. Enjoy the rest of your night. (laughs) I will, man. I will. Have a wonderful evening. You too, brother. Peace out, man.